Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Welcome into episode 83 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. I am hosting today because Tyler has disappeared. The last message I received from him, he said something about an asbestos guy. He just recently purchased a home and he's doing renovations and fixing things up. And now he's talking about an asbestos guy and now he's not replying to messages. Um, So I may be a little bit worried. I'm not sure what's happening. Regardless, we have Brendan BK here, which is, you know, that means someone is on the podcast and knows what they're talking about, which is positive. So BK, how's it going? Well, I figured you could have somebody who wasn't an Oilers fan going through it oh. right now. So, uh, yeah, no, appropriate I'm here because, uh, yeah, a podcast of you and Tyler would just be really sad right now. That's pretty much what the vibes were like <laughs> when we were doing all of these during the Oilers playoff run is like we'd have like a really excited, high energy podcast after an Oilers win that did not coincide with what the Jays were doing. Like the Jays were like in a slump, <laughs> not hitting anything. And the Oilers have like just beaten the flames. And we're like, yeah, the Jays, they just, you know, lost two or three, but fuck it. And it just didn't make any sense. But. You can only have one good, good vibes with the Jays or good vibes with the Oilers. So now that the Oilers vibes are down, the, uh, the Jays are up for the most part. Now we can start paying attention. So what it was this week was the Blue Jays went into Kansas City to play the worst team in Major League Baseball, the Royals. And the Royals did the part of being the worst looking team of Major League Baseball as they lost the first game 8-0 and then 7-0, but then came out in game game three on Wednesday and redeemed themselves winning 8-4. One thing I want to bring up with you, because you were talking about it on Twitter, is just how bad the Kansas City Royals rebuild has been. So they won the World Series in 2015. They went 95 and 67 that year. We all remember. The following year, they go 81 and 81. This is 2016. This is the year that the Jays, they're not quite as good as 15, but they make it back to the ALCS on the power of winning the wild card game. And then 2017, the Royals are kind of meh again, 80 wins. And the following year, they fall off a cliff. 58 and 104. And here they are now. They're on pace to win again this year. I figured it out. They're on pace to win 50 win 51 games this year. The Jays have completely turned it around after making the playoffs in 2016 when Kansas City didn't. How are the Royals doing this bad in the rebuild? Yeah, it is interesting because you compare the timelines, right? Like you said, I mean, good for Kansas City. They got a World Series yeah. uh, championship out of their run. However, um, yeah, I mean, their their kind of slow decline happened. Uh, well, actually, pretty quick decline, but kind of a, in alignment with the Blue Jays. And what you're seeing right now is the difference between a team with a really strong uh, 
development plan, commitment to development, resources being poured into that, um, and a smaller market team who you know kind of enjoys the idea of operating old school. And uh, and the Royals, you know, obviously don't have the resources of the Jays, so they're probably not going to go make a Springer type signing. Um, but with that being said, you look at the talent disparity between these two teams, even with somebody as good as Bobby Witt Jr. that the uh, Royals have. And uh, yeah, I feel that I'd be pretty depressed as a Royals fan right now. I think the only saving grace would be being in the AL Central, which, you know, is like just not likely to be a strong division for a long time. Um, but yeah, the Royals have had some, they've had some weird drafts and obviously they've hit on some guys, but they've gone so pitching heavy with their draft class. College pitchers too. Yeah. A lot of college pitchers and, and, you know, guys you'd figure would have high floors, but then, you know, a a lot of disappointment there in early career performance. And then, uh, I saw a, a Royals blog that was kind of bemoaning the fact that Alec Manoa would just be this college drafted pitcher and just burst onto the scene and be good right away. And they're like, none of our guys have done this. None of them. And uh, again, Bobby Wood Jr. looks like a stud. Obviously, his numbers aren't amazing this year. Um, but you can see it, right? Like that's a, that's a franchise caliber shortstop, um, high-end player. Um, they drafted him second overall. And uh, he was very deserving of that. But um, yeah, it's interesting to look at that team and and uh and see that the the future there aren't a lot of things to be excited Nothing. about looking into their future which is you know a, a bummer for them and and uh we were talking about this before we started the podcast but Kyle Body who who um does driveline baseball out in Seattle a very analytical uh friendly development engine of baseball and he also had a player development role with the Reds the last couple of years um he was tweeting about this the other day and basically how um with the draft being shortened uh, with, with all this payroll inequality and reducing minor league rosters, um, the variance of like just probable outcomes for for teams is a lot smaller now. So any team that has a suboptimal process or um, and pairs that with like an average or below payroll is not going to get lucky as much as they used to in the past because the rich teams are smart now. And the rich teams are investing in things beyond just signing a George Springer, right? It's, it's everything you hear and see with the, the Blue Jays player complex and Dunedin and the developmental factory they're doing there and, and the Dodgers ability to just turn everything they touch into gold and the Yankees ability to just develop these, these high upper nineties arms, like nonstop and, and their ability to basically teach everybody, like every Yankee throws this slider, like a devastating slider. And they've used their tools and their resources to basically build a pitching program that makes everybody effective. So uh, yeah, the Royals who, you know, seem to want to be doing it their own way are not doing it well. And it kind of feels like Dayton Moore has this job for life but he certainly shouldn't. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know where that organization goes from here. And, and, you know, I, I'm assuming they're committed to him cause it's always been that way, but they probably need to make a change. And at the same time, any change you make now and th- with, with the layers of minor league player roster development, all these coaches you have, a lot of coaches who've been in the game and doing it a certain way forever to properly implement change to be a modern organization takes years. Like it takes a long time. Mark Shapiro came in and did this and it took a long time, right? Like the money was there to do it, but to get the coaches to buy in, to get the tools, to get um, players doing stuff for a second, third year, where it's now part of the routine and more normal and actually seeing tangible results. 
none of this happens on the ground floor quickly in baseball. Um, so yeah, a team like the Royals and, and obviously there's other examples around baseball, but, uh, but yeah, the future is just kind of bleak. I'd, I'd be bummed if I was a fan of them. I'd say it um, is deserved that the Royals are going to get like a decade of this caliber of baseball. And I posted this on Twitter. I think the Royals are due for a decade of that and how they're performing now because of the magic they got in that year and a half stretch, <laughs> late 2014, the entirety of 2015, that playoff run, that was bullshit. I am still not over it. I never will be. Here's another really random question for you since we were talking about the draft and the Royals and Manoa. So Bobby Witt Jr., the second overall pick in that year's draft, and the Orioles had the first overall pick, and they draft Adley Rushman. Um, if you're doing a redraft now, and I mean, this is really lame content, but whatever, I think it's interesting. Do you think Alec Manoa should go first overall in that? I think it's a three player, um, race for first overall. So I think, I think Adley and Bobby Witt who went one, two, um, Mm -hmm. makes sense in those spots or it makes sense up in the top tier. Um, and Manoa at worst is three. And I think you can make a case for any of those guys. Um, as a general rule, I would still probably lean towards dynamic position player, um, which like, I, I don't know why you dragged me into like, you know, the, the <laughs> saying these things about the good name of Alec Manoa. So thanks for that. But, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a three, it's a three horse race for first overall on a redraft. So good for the Jays for getting somebody 11th overall. Who's that good. I remember that draft very well. I, mm-hmm. I, I very much enjoy the draft. That, that was a top seven draft. Basically every single mock draft that came out, the top seven players, they were different orders, but the, the, basically there was seven players who were a tier above everybody else. So the Jays kind of, it, it's almost like the draft started at eight is kind of how it was talked about. And that's when um, uh, Josh Young went to, went to Texas, Texas, Jay Langoliers went to the Braves, Hunter Bishop, who was not Penn, went to the Giants and then Manoa went. So um, yeah, I mean, the, the Jays are really fortunate, right? You look at that draft and, and anybody picked after Manoa, you're, there's nobody there you're looking at and saying like, you know, I, I wish we had him. So, uh, yeah, kudos to the, to the front office and the, uh, the draft team, cause they did a really good job landing Manoa. Um, who's an interesting arm. I, I, I was fine with the pick. I was relatively indifferent, seemed, seemed like it made sense, but, uh, boy, they, they sure were right there. They absolutely were. And we are now the benefactors of it as watching Alec Manoa pitch is a magnificent thing to do every week. Speaking of that, we should actually talk about the series that just happened in Kansas City rather than just like drilling them with this objective teardown of how their organization is nowhere near up to snuff. So what we have is three up, three down brought to you by DoorDash, as I did not do this ad read off the hop. Ding dong. Promo code D DJN pod DD gets first time users of the app 25% off their order. So go ahead and order something good. So the three ups I have are Ross Stripling for coming in in um, coming in, in place of Hyunjin Ryu in the rotation again. It looks like Ryu is going to be out for longer this time, but we'll talk about that later. Stripling does five innings, allows only one hit. Is um, Are the Blue Jays maybe better off with Stripling in the rotation than they were with Ryu? Yeah, it's a fair question to ask. And it, it seems like, um, you know, like, yeah, I mean, reasonably Ross Stripling is a, you know, a solid major league rotation arm. Um, I think it's more about the depth that it hurts them, right? Like uh, if, if the rotation stays healthy the rest of the year, um, like let's say, you know, Ryu was out of the picture, but these five guys stayed healthy, um, then yeah, you can make a case for that. But the problem is now obviously Stripling, is now not able to fulfill that pen roll that he did, which was so important. And if anybody else gets hurt, uh, even briefly, um, 
your, your option behind stripling isn't probably one that brings a lot of confidence. So who yeah, even is that now? Like Trent Thornton? I, I think it's Thomas Hatch. Thomas Ooh. Hatch is probably next man up. Um, and man, there was an arm I believed in a few years ago. Oh, oh yeah. I, I was certain, not that he'd be an ace or anything like that, but I thought he was a number four starter. I thought that was an amazing trade they made yeah. to get him uh, for David Phelps. They gave up David Phelps. To, Who's now the better player on the Blue Jays. <laughs> now, it's yeah. weird. It's a weird Baseball's circle. weird. Baseball is <laughs> very weird. But uh, yeah, Thomas Hatch obviously was very solid in the pandemic 2020 season out of the bullpen for the Blue Jays. In 2019, he, you know, he was a very solid um, minor league starter. And uh, yeah, he just had a, a challenging year last year that included some injuries. And then this year he started horrifically in AAA. Um, I've heard that he's looking better and sharper lately. Um, box scores are challenging with minor leagues, even AAA. It's, it's really hard to get a good feel for how well somebody's actually doing. Um, but yeah, Hatch is probably next man up. And uh, I mean, Bowden Francis has not pitched well in the minor leagues. He was, he was on that list of guys. Maximo Castillo would be up there, um, but he's not on the 40 man roster. Those other guys are uh, Casey Lawrence, obviously maybe he, you know, if there's a, a pen injury or two, maybe he settles into the old Ross stripling role where he's just kind of a bulk guy in the pen, but yeah, the, the options aren't great. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, stripling again, going back to what you originally brought up, what a tremendous start, what a tremendously needed start. Um, looking at Kikuchi's start on uh, Wednesday here and how short it was even better that you got a little bit of distance out of stripling, right? Cause he was not built up for starters workload. Five innings is incredible. Um, I'm sure that was their best case scenario and the Blue Jays absolutely received that. One name worth bringing up because you're talking about the next guy up is one Nate Pearson in AAA on Wednesday night pitches two innings, zero hits, one walk, three strikeouts. How far are we uh, away from Nate Pearson contributing to the Blue Jays? Is that Someone who's going to be part of the solution soon. Maybe that helps out a bit. You have Stripling in the starting rotation now. You use Pearson in a multi-inning role. Maybe that that's the thing. It's it's felt all season long like that was the role that Pearson was ticketed for. So I, I really haven't spent a lot of time thinking about him as a rotation option. Um, because, yeah, it just, you know, kind of that two inning, you know, come out, throw 99 and, uh, and and just have stuff that hopefully overwhelms the opponent as much as Pearson's been hit or miss in his career. That was a role that made a lot of sense for him. Um, I think if Ryu's injury ends up being any type of long-term thing, that may change how the Jays view it, and they may want to build up Pearson to a starter's workload and potentially look at him in that light. But uh, yeah, it's a little confusing because um, both those options make sense. But I, you know, if you if you look at the Blue Jays who are at, fortunately a likely playoff team and the potential role that Pearson could fulfill, you know, down the stretch and into the playoffs would be out of the pen almost no matter what. So you wonder, do you want to just get him ready for that role now and have that just be, Hey, Nate, here's your job. The rest of the season, you are a, um, a two to three inning guy out of the pen. We're going to use you in leverage get your mind wrapped around that. That's your role for the entire mm -hmm. 2022 season. So I think I would, I would position it that way. The Jays can always, it can also always go find a fifth starter at the deadline, right? Just another arm um, doesn't have to be somebody good or, or all like great doesn't have to be a, an expensive um, trade addition. But uh, I mean, Tyler Anderson, who's been amazing for the Dodgers this year, take that aside when that, when the Mariners got him at the deadline last year, he was just, Hey, here, here's a, you know, a fifth rotation arm, 
that can, you know, hopefully be solid and give you a, give you a low mid fours ERA. And that's the kind of move I could see the Jays making. And then um, if, if they're thinking that way, again, just brings Nate back to a role that I think makes sense for him for this season out of the pen. Yeah, that probably makes the most sense is focus your priority. Now, if Ryu is going to be gone for a while, look for a starter and then view Pearson as your mid season. It's, it's kind of lame saying this. We, we tease it quite a bit, but use Pearson as like your mid season. It's almost like an acquisition. You're like we traded for this guy. Kind of, he's a, mm-hmm. he's a mid season acquisition. He's a, he's a boost in the arm. So we can focus on finding a back of the rotation starter. I mean, you know, two years ago in the pandemic year, they went and got Taiwan Walker from Seattle from nothing. Yeah. Like I remember yeah. who the prospect was that went back to Seattle in that deal. Do you? Alberto Rodriguez, yes. Um, oh, no, and actually, yeah. So no. it is kind of funny because really? the, the Jays have not given up many prospects and trades in the entire Atkins Shapiro era that have come back to bite. Um, and Rodriguez was not a like super no, highly towed. No, he was not, a, but he's, uh, he's top 10 to 12 in some Mariners list. So again, not, not some superstar, but he actually is somebody who going to another org has seen his prospect status rise. So um, with that being said, yeah, he hasn't had a great season this year. I, I hadn't checked out and uh, checked that out until just now, but coming into the season, yes, he was a guy who was getting a lot of hype with the, uh, with the Mariners, but uh, other, other random guys they've traded away. I thought they did one for Yanaris Solarte. I forget the player's name to San Diego who wound up being a thing. Or was it uh, a top prospect for a minute, but I can't. Yeah, it was. felt like he was. Uh, he's an outfielder in the Royal system now up and down. Um, okay. Well, if he's in the Royal system and he has an established <laughs> spot, then don't worry about it. And then there's another one uh, in the Dodgers trade for stripling was uh, Ryan Noda, who yes. I was worried they were going to turn into Max Muncy because I think yeah. he had like twice as many walks to strikeouts in double A or something. Yeah. Funny you say that because that trade randomly popped into my head the other day and I looked up Ryan Noda's numbers um, and I'm looking at them now because I don't actually remember what I saw. Um, But yeah, he, so he, he has been like that crazy high walk guy. Right. And he's still doing it in AAA this year, 50 games is a 15.6 walk rate. Um, With that being said, he's also striking out close to 30% of the time. And uh, he's got a 115 WRC plus aided by a 352 BABA. So he's fine, but he's a 26 year old in triple a, uh, that doesn't hurt. Kendall Williams was the part of that trade that did feel like it could potentially stink. Kendall Williams at that point was just a year removed from being a second round draft pick for the blue Jays. He has not done anything like he, yeah, he, he has seen his stock significantly fall since going to the Dodgers, which is interesting. So, uh, yeah, that's a trade that hasn't come back to hurt them in any way either. Um, but man, Edward, Oliveris. Oliveris. There it is. Yeah. There it is. Yes. So that one hurt. At the time, I thought he was yeah. going to be a uh, a very intriguing outfield prospect, but uh, yeah, he's been an up and down guy with Kansas City the last couple of years. And um, in 15 games this year, he had a 166 WRC plus, and he's hurt now. Um, but yeah, very small sample, and uh, yeah, he hasn't exactly become a star in any right. But uh, but yeah, so it, I. If you look at the whole trade lineage, the team has made, thankfully, there haven't been these ones that really hurt, right? And good teams will trade away good players, right? Like the Tampa Bay Rays years ago had their hands on Trey Turner and dealt him for Steven Souza. Like they're, that was part of a three-team trade, but they had the right, they had the ability to get Turner in that trade and they turned it into a three-team deal in that Will Myers trade and and preferred Souza. So um, yeah, they're, they're, Teams make bad trades. The Jays have been fortunate to be shielded from them for the most part. 
And uh, hopefully it stays that way. But you know what? The more they're in competitive years like this, the more they're trading away guys, players are going to develop, players are going to emerge, and they're going to be hurt um, by by things like that happening. But Austin Martin's another one, right? Like he's he is underwhelming. He's a very underwhelming uh, top five draft pick from a recent year. Um, and I, I think the Jays did a great job just self-evaluating what they had and saying, yeah, maybe it's time to get out from this before the rest of baseball catches up. And I mean, he's, yeah, like I said, just a very underwhelming player. Um, there's, I think he has a big league future. He has a role, but he looks more like a utility guy who doesn't play great defense than he does some center field or shortstop prospect. Like we so you're explaining to me, you're explaining to me Ben Revere. Yeah. <laughs> Austin Martin is Ben Revere. I'm uh, I'm not going to say I'm confident with that comp, but I like it. Um, that's, a, that's a bold one for me, but and we, we've very slanderous. Uh, Austin Martin's taken plenty of arrows from Blue Jays Twitter and, and in some ways probably unfairly, but, but yeah, again, it just goes back to self-evaluation, right? If the Jays can make a draft pick with a ton of conviction, they paid Austin Martin over slot fifth overall as a college player. That's very rare. Basically, they convinced him and Boris to probably the teams like picking three, four in the draft to have a really high price tag to get him to fall to the Jays. But man, take a guess at Austin Martin's uh, WRC plus this season in double A, a level he's repeating and he's played 47 games. 99. 83. Okay. So he is 17% below league average in offensive production, despite being 23 years old. He has one home run on the season. And uh, yeah, basically his, he's got a good walk rate, 10, 10 and a half walk rate. And that's all he is. He has, uh, he only has nine, um, sorry, 10 extra base hits in the season. So in double A, wow. 47 games, he's got seven doubles, two triples, one home run. So he's got steals, got 21 steals. He's running a lot, but yeah, again, it just, the Jays did good to get out from under him when they did. So what I'm going to say to make this all come back full circle, because we went on a bit of a journey there. We started with Ross Stripling. We're going to finish off as Ross Stripling. Is at the time how that trade was quite bad. And I said it looked very bad for many months, many times after that, because I thought the Dodgers were going to turn that water into wine with those two prospects. But that hasn't been the case. And Stripling's been very good as a Blue Jay. It's going to be interesting to see what happens to him this offseason. He's a free agent. Uh, there's probably a team out there that's going to pay him. I don't know. You say Kikuchi got paid what he did. You can probably see someone giving Stripling that kind of cash to be their fourth, fifth guy, long reliever type thing, right? Yeah, it's too bad. He he's so valuable in the role he's in right now, and it'd be great to see the Jays resign him. But if you're Ross Stripling, I think you're going to want to sign somewhere that says, "Hey, we actually have a rotation spot for (laughs) you." This role sucks, which the Jays will not. Right, so. That's the thing. He, 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 you hear him talk about the role he has and he's such a team player. And as a guy already in his thirties to still be that guy, like I'm a team player, I'll do whatever you ask of me. Incredibly valuable. Um, and, and it makes his production even more valuable, right? Like he's not an amazing pitcher, but the ability to just send them back and forth rotation um, uh, bullpen that's a thing that used to exist in baseball. That's pretty uncommon now. Like he, he's a bit of a unicorn with his role and uh, it's going to hurt to not have him next year. It'll be too bad. Um, Cause I can't imagine the Jays give him like a three or $30 million offer. Um, and again, 
that would be in a role that would be suboptimal for him personally. So, um, yeah, we just need to enjoy him this year and, uh, and wish him the best going into next year. So to quickly wrap up here, I'm just going to bomb through the three ups very quick. Quick. The first one was Ross Stripling. Great first start. Alec Manoa, the big man, has nowhere near his best stuff, but he still carves up the Royals over six innings. And then the 15 runs in the first two games came largely by way of depth players. Santiago Espinal goes two for five in the first game. Alejandro Kirk goes four for five in the second game. And Espinal goes three for four. If I had told you in March that... We'd be a week into June and the best two position players in the Blue Jays would be Alejandro Kirk and Santiago Espinal. Would you think that everything went to went to shit? That's a great question, because in, in some ways you'd be like, oh, my goodness, this team has <laughs> we didn't realize <laughs> existed. Right. It'd be, like, oh, man, like you're going to assume Vlad and Bo are at least decently productive. So if you're getting high end production from those guys, what a win at the same time. Yeah, there's aren't the guys you would expect to lead the way. Um, and. Espinal is a fascinating player because his 2021 was a bit of a mirage, right? Like he, he very much overperformed his peripherals. So yes, he had good numbers, but it's not necessarily the kinds you would expect to sustain themselves going into another season. But what Espinal's done is improve. He's a much better hitter now than he was last year. And that's led to slightly better production, but at the same time, what an asset he is because he he can play an elite defensive second baseman while being an above average hitter, but he's also the backup to third base and shortstop, right? Now, Chapman and Bo play pretty much every day, so it hasn't been necessary. Like, let's say Bo was going to miss two weeks. Espinal plays shortstop and he'll do that well, and then Biggio can slide into second. Um, this was one of the things I was going to miss about Marcus Semyon the most was the idea that every single day, you know, you have a good shortstop playing, right? Either Bo, who's your franchise shortstop, or you got Sammy who can slot over if Bo's taking a DH day or an off day or gets banged up. That We now have that as a long-term solution. We have Bo and Espinal. Every day, one of those guys will be the shortstop. And that allows you to carry a bench piece like Biggio, who you don't want playing an infield position on the left side of the infield, but you can still carry him because you can take Espinal and bump him over. So... Um, yeah, he, he's been awesome. And Alejandro Kirk, one of the best hitters in baseball, which is wild. It's, it's, in, it's insane to be what nine weeks into the season. Mm-hmm. He's had a stretch where he went four weeks without an extra base hit. And yet he's one of the best hitters in baseball and not just saying his hot streak right now is one of the best, his overall production, even wrapping in those terrible four weeks or those kind of iffy four weeks. He is a top 15, top 20 player by production or a hitter by production in baseball this year. Like incredible. He's he's and he's good and he's solid defensively. I don't want to say he's great. He's a he's a really good framer pitch calling. I don't know. The pitchers seem to like him and he doesn't have the strongest arm, but he's been accurate this year. He's been he's mm-hmm. been throwing guys out. So, yep. um, man, the, the Jays have been blessed to see those two guys take steps forward because that that was certainly valuable. Um you know, as you have stretches where other guys underperform. I would love to get both of those two players into the all-star game. But as we shift to the more negative side, the Jays did lose a game in this series to the Royals, which you don't like to see. So our three downs are that third game specifically was terrible. And one part I didn't like is uh, this actually came in the, uh, there was either the first or the second game. I can't remember one of the two of them, the Sportsnet broadcast pan to 2015 world series champions. Why would you do that? Why would you show us that? I don't yeah. need that. Unnecessary. I don't need that in my life. 
very That's unnecessary. <laughs> and then we, we, had, we had the, um, the, uh, the bad memory of a somewhat despisable character in right field catching a home run ball, which <laughs> oh. this time it was Zach Collins hitting it. So that felt good. But Zach Campbell, who is just not a, not a likable dude and no. a baseball YouTuber. I'm like, wait, that guy shouting out the, the ball. Oh, broadcast too. oh yeah. I, I, I wasn't into that. So yeah. That whole third it, game was so cursed. A, it is a little bit of a house of horrors for the Jays because of memories past, but thankfully the Royals offset it by being so garbage that they're still going to give up uh, a losses. But uh, yeah, it was hard to see Kikuchi have that outing. He did, right? Because we've, we've seen him have rough first innings that he can fight through and then, and then right the ship. Um, and we haven't talked about this yet, but you, I think you did see Zach Collins inability to pitch frame show up today as well. Uh, he's just not good at it. Like Collins is not a good pitch framer. And by no means is that why Kikuchi struggled, right? Like Kikuchi was wild. Kikuchi had lots of pitches that weren't even close, but there were a couple that were, and with two outs and two strikes, he did throw a strike. Now it wasn't where Collins set up. Collins was set up inside and that was an outside pitch, but it was a strike and it wasn't called a strike because Collins is so jittery with his receiving hand. Mm -hmm. He kind of, he kind of follows the ball um, and lets it take him. So yeah, you see that noticeably, um, when you compare it with Alejandro Kirk, who's a great framer, uh, Danny Jansen's pretty solid side to side. And at the top of the zone, Jansen also struggles with framing the low strike. Again, Kirk is really good with that. And I think listeners should pay attention to when Jansen and Kirk are healthy, who are they getting matched up with Kevin Gossman? Because he gets so many swings on low pitches. They pair him with Jansen because Jansen doesn't need to frame the swings are there. But then you'll see Kirk lined up with pitchers who are trying to catch that bottom of the zone because he can frame it and present it as a strike. So, yeah, there's lots that goes into deciding who catches who. Health, matchups, all that stuff. But, uh, but yeah, framing is one of them and Colin's not great at it. That's going to get me into a big point that I want to talk to you about, but I'm just going to barf out the final three, uh, the three downs, which is the relievers look absolutely terrible, specifically Trevor Richards. who looks like he's kind of fallen off a cliff, but whatever it's getaway day in Kansas city, not a big deal. The question I want to ask you is so Danny Jansen's injured. He's got a little fracture on, I think it was his pinky on his hand and he's yeah. going to be out for at least two weeks, maybe more, who knows? Unfortunate break for Danny Jansen, who had been playing very well, has been good all year when he's healthy, but he's missed half the year now. But so they call up Zach Collins. Why didn't they call up Gabe Moreno? It was in the 40-man roster. So a couple of things. One, I wouldn't be shocked. I'm not, I'm not saying I expect this to be the case, but there is a world where they decide they decided Moreno was the guy, but they didn't want to have him do that like middle yeah. of the night, early morning flight, be there dressed. You're now like the backup catcher for that game that uh, yeah, uh, Tuesday night. And then you're starting Wednesday morning. There's a chance, not saying this is the case, but they would have taken a step back and say, okay, Collins can fill that role for two games. We're going to tell Moreno on Wednesday that Friday's his day in Detroit. He can get there Thursday time to breathe. Um, possibly time to get family in the stands, whatever time to sit down and have meetings with the pitchers, all that stuff. I wouldn't be surprised that that's the approach they took. So it's not surprising that a last minute injury in the middle of a road series would lead to Collins coming up. With that being said, I'm not certain that means Moreno's coming up for this weekend. Uh, it's really hard and, and it, it sucks in a podcast because we want to have a strong opinion with the catcher. It's really hard to have a strong opinion. Like offensively, 
he's solid. He's probably not having as good a season as people think when they look at his batting average. Moreno's power has disappeared. He hit eight home runs in 32 games last year, and he only has one in 35 this year. So uh, he's still a gap-to-gap devil's hitter, and I'm not saying he's a bad hitter. I'm not saying he would struggle at the big league level. I think he'd hit just fine. But he he has not had an overwhelmingly great season in AAA. He only has a 114 WRC+, despite a 389 BABIP. So he basically... I, I probably see him as a league average hitter in AAA this year. So he is not knocking down the door to be called up. With that being said, I think he could be successful. We know he's solid defensively framing. We're going to have to watch him a little bit to get a feel for, you know, whether he's strong at that or not. But yeah, I think the Jays know there, there's no service time shenanigans to be played here. Right. So this no. is purely a development now versus what does he need versus where he's at, where he's at, um, pitch calling, game planning, all that stuff. The Jays know if he's ready and the Jays want to win games, right? There's, there's no incentive to leave him down there if they think he's ready. So I I just kind of trusting the decision makers with this one. Also, they may say, yeah, we actually think Jansen's only going to miss the minimum time. So we don't want to call up Moreno have him. And you know, Kirk is so hot that Kirk's going to play a bunch. So Moreno starts like four or five games, then just gets sent back down they may just want him playing on a consistent role down in AAA as well. So there's so many different scenarios here that it's hard to talk about, but would I be excited to see him called up? Absolutely. Right. Like he's one of my favorite prospects we've had in this Jays system in a long time. And an embarrassment of riches that the Jays have a catcher right now is probably the reason he hasn't been called up to begin with, but it's where the Jays are at. Alejandro Kirk is the best catcher in the AL right now, and he's going to play a lot. So what does that mean for a guy like Reno? If it's a short-term injury, if Jansen was announced to be out for two months, that's where I could see Moreno stepping in and becoming part of this roster. Um, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I, I, I'm curious if there's a chance to see that he is called up in time for Friday's game in Detroit. Well, that was three up, three down brought to you by DoorDash. Three up, three down with a lot of extra stuff in the middle, which was great. Actually, we went on, we went on some really good tangents there. That was, that was, that was fantastic. But now we have the looking ahead. Brought to you by Points Bet Canada. Go ahead and make some bets on things on baseball teams and uh, who you think the how you think this next series is going to go, which is against the Detroit Tigers, another terrible Central Division team. They have a 22 and 33 record. And the interesting thing about Detroit, and I mean, looking at them at a glance, I, I, I pay little attention to the Tigers. I won't lie. I kind of thought they were going to be a young team that hit well and couldn't pitch as like rebuilding teams seem to be, but their pitching's not that bad. It's just they they their their lineups full of nothing. Like their highest OPS is Harold Castro, who has a 769 OPS. Yeah, it is uh it is not a good team. Uh Javier Baez uh, has been terrible. Uh wow. he was their big free agent acquisition, right? Well, two of them. They and Eduardo, uh, Rodriguez, Eduardo Rodriguez, um, he's on the injury list right now. Uh yeah, it, it's just not a good team, right? And and yes, they're, they're road games and you'll lose to good team or bad teams. Sorry. We, we saw the pirates just destroy the Dodgers this season. <laughs> through series. Like it's a weird sport and losses like this one to Kansas city happen. But with that being said, you'd like to see them go five and one, uh, not, not saying that's ever likely entering a six game stretch on the road, but two bad teams. And it'd be nice to see them put games together here. You know, Kikuchi's obviously volatile. He's not starting in this series. You're going to have some good pitching advantages. So yeah, I'd like to see the the Jays get hot and find a way to to sweep the series here. Um, because the Yankees, you know, they're 
the division obviously is still within reach because there's so much time this season, but the Yankees have had an unprecedented historically good start. Yeah. And that makes the Blue Jays record of what, 33 and 23 or 33 and 22, 33, whatever it is. Yeah. 33 and 23 now. And they're like seven and a half or eight back. I think. Yeah. Like the, the Jays have a great record in any season. You're happy with that. And it just feels skewed by the fact that you have to pit them up against the Yankees who are again, having a historically good start. Wednesday night uh, looks like they are about to lose to the Twins, which is stunning. They're actually going to lose. Never happens. That never no, happens. Never They've happens. The twins Seriously, like eighty-six <laughs> times in a row now. It's it's a big day in Minnesota. They'll have a parade tomorrow. But yeah, you want to you want to win these games after Detroit. It's Baltimore, right before the Yankees come. So you have this stretch where it's three straight series against really bad teams. Ten games and ten games, right? So they are now two and one with uh, another seven left to go, man, like you, you, you hope they only lose two more at worst, right? At best, it'd be great to see them, you know, find a way to win, to go like six and one, but yeah, the, the tigers uh, let's run through this here at cam the tigers on the injured list. As far as the rotation goes right now, Matt Manning, Casey Mize, Michael Pineda, Eduardo Rodriguez, Spencer Turnbull. That's actually a decent rotation. I got five starting pitchers that are actually decent ish. Now Turnbull is Tommy John. He's, he's been known to be out this entire season, but he's one of those guys. The other four that I mentioned were expected to be good to go to start the season. And they're hurt. Um, Tariq Skubal is a high end pitcher. He's really good. And the Jays unfortunately get him in the Sunday game, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, you know, Friday, Friday, Saturday, the Jays very much have the upper hand in the pitching matchups and you'd like to see him win those games at least. And then hopefully they can steal one from Scooball on Sunday. It's important to also note that Drew Hutchison plays for the Detroit Tigers. So there's a reasonable chance we see him this weekend. Yeah, that's right. Uh, oh. Drew. Yeah. Drew Hutchison. Uh, couldn't tell you if he's good or not. I'm going to make the assumption that he is not. He has a, four, he has a 460 ERA over the course of 15, two thirds innings. This is over. Um, how many appearances is in here? This is 10 appearances and he is striking out 8.6 batters per nine and 6.9 batters per nine. Yeah. So not great. Uh, you should have given me an over under on that one, actually. Oh, <laughs> is it, right? be... like just five and see what would have been, think? that would have been good betting content. <laughs> Damn. I'm so bad at this. Oh, this is where we miss Tyler. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, it, again, it's not a good team. It's a flawed team and the Jays are very much better than them. So yeah, it'd be nice to see them uh, find a way to sweep this series going into the obviously Baltimore series that we mentioned and then rolling into the Yankees. So yeah, it's uh, it, it's an opportunity to string some wins together here as they've been doing uh, up until now as well. And here's hoping that uh, that can continue. That's what we're hoping for. We're hoping for a sweep. Thank you so much, BK, for joining me. Having you is great because Tyler and I don't know what we're talking about most of the time. Thank you for tuning in. We will be back after the Tigers series. If it's not a sweep, I'm going to have a big spaz. Thank you on behalf of DoorDash. Thank you on behalf of Points by Canada and Twig and Berries and the Sports Closet. Thanks for listening and best wishes. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.